Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside my good friend, Justin Garcia. Everyone knows Justin. He's on this show multiple times a week. He's the host of the Bucks Radio Network. So if you uh, aren't able to get to a TV screen during the NBA Finals, you should be listening to Ted, Ted Davis, I should say, our friend Ted. And of course, Justin Garcia as well. Dennis Krause is in there as well, I believe. So it's a pretty elite squad. I, I've always said this, but I've enjoyed a couple of times this year, Justin, where I've had to be in the car when the Bucks are playing and I flick on the NBA app, get it through the Bluetooth on the car, listen to Ted, usually send a tweet through so I can, you know, boost my own ego and get a bit of a shout out from Ted on the radio always feels nice. But I, I always say this to you because we did the post-game show a lot or the pre-game show, the Bucks courtside live. So it is a funny experience for me to, to hear you on the radio and hear you guys um, going through Bucks games. But I would have to imagine now that you've finally got an NBA finals broadcast in the books has to be a little bucket list item. I, I would imagine, I would imagine. Oh yeah, for sure. And um I uh when I got to the arena uh yesterday or Sunday for for game 3 uh I I ran into just walking around the concourse and seeing how everything was set up I ran into a, a bunch of the people that I've worked with throughout the course of the year on courtside live and uh we all kind of had the same things to say of man can you believe because uh, it, it happened, I was walking just past, not to get too inside baseball here, but just past section 116, which is where we originally had the set built and we're doing courtside live from. And that's where I ran into one of them. And we were like, man, can you believe it was, uh, what, seven months ago that we were doing this show for the first time in this format from basically five feet away from where we're standing right now. There was nobody in the building. There was only team personnel. They were hanging curtains to block off no seats. And now a half a year later, not only do we have full capacity and fans in the building, but it's hosting an NBA finals game. So, I mean, it's, it's just been a crazy year. And I think we've all really been anxious for this moment the last couple of years. And you know, to see it finally arrive in Milwaukee after 47 years and to just see what the energy was like in that building, um, it made it worth it. And especially since they won, but it, that especially made it worth it. The, uh, the wait was, uh, was more than worth it now with the way that they played and just seeing what that overall experience was. Yeah, no question. And we certainly mentioned that on the post-game podcast yesterday. If you missed the instant reaction pod, make sure you go back. Frank and myself, as we always do, uh, went through the game and some of the key points there. We're going to continue to go through that tonight. I want to talk about role players a little bit. I want to talk about the impact of the injuries in this series. Dante DiVincenzo versus Dario Saric. I think it's an interesting conversation to have and the ripple effect 
that goes on there. And then, of course, Brook Lopez. I just want to discuss his role in this series so far. It is kind of following a trend for Brook, so we're going to get to that as well. Obviously, we'll bring up Giannis because he's just ridiculous, and we can't do a podcast without talking about him, which, by the way, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. Perhaps that's when we might bring up Giannis. I'm not sure. I think he's probably in line to be one of the main contenders for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, but we'll get to that in just in just a little bit here. But look, we've got two days off before Game 4. Uh, as I mentioned, I've heard a little bit of a conversation around this. Who does this benefit? Who does the days off uh, benefit in this situation? Um, to me, I thought it was really, really obvious. Maybe I had my Bucks goggles on here, Justin, but I just thought that if you're giving Giannis two days to recover here, this is absolutely a massive positive for Milwaukee. On top of the fact, the numbers that I've read out all year long, Chris Middleton shoots better after two days off than he does after one. It's just a fact. It's a large sample. That's what we've seen from him. So I think that's another bonus here. Uh, for Phoenix, I don't know what's going on with Devin Booker. I don't know why he sat so much there. But look, they'll get rest. They'll get time to adjust. They'll get time to look at film, of course. But I, I don't think I'm being too crazy here, thinking that this rest is a great scenario for Giannis and Moore. No, I uh, I have the same feeling. And a few of the shows that I listened to, it had um, I was surprised that they made it seem like, yeah, it's, it's basically 50-50 at this point. Yeah, and maybe yeah. it favors... The Suns and Chris Paul with his age, but yeah, I, I was in the same boat of man. This has to favor the Bucks more than the Suns because you can talk about well, it gives Tory Craig more of a chance to recover. But I mean, if we're if we're uh, you know trying to weigh Tory Craig, Giannis, the scales are tipping in the Bucks' favor there. So I think it's a big advantage for the Bucks. I think you know to your point of and you've talked about it before over the course of the year, Chris's performance with two days off. I think we did see that to a lesser extent in yeah. game three where he was basically 50% from the floor and hit three threes. And, you know, I mean, look, you and Frank touched on this too. He's not 100%, but Giannis far and away looked the best that he has so far in this series in game three. And if that's how he's looking after two days rest, I mean, that's a scary thought because right now the Suns have no way of slowing him down. So if he's going to continue to play like that and get better, that's a big advantage for the Bucks. Yeah, so those three-point percentage uh, shooting splits here, I've just pulled them up here. One of my favorite things to do. People love it when I do this. But on two days rest uh, through the regular season, he was a 44% uh, three-point shooter. That dropped to around 41 on one days and, and then 37 on zero days. So, I mean, it's not, it's not huge, but we've certainly seen that play out during the postseason as well for Chris, where he, look, he's, he's shooting splits. Are down. I mean, they're down. So any night you get three threes out of him, I do think it is a little bit noteworthy at home. And I would agree. I thought Chris Middleton was really important early in game three in terms of being a facilitator, really, really getting Giannis some excellent looks. We know they're very, very dangerous in the two-man game. So I thought Middleton was important early. And he had 15 points at halftime. I mean, he was on his way to having a big night. And then it was just one of those scenarios where this is why you have a third guy. Okay, Drew Holiday, you want to hit some threes? You go ahead and do that. So, look, I, I thought it was an understated performance, but a pretty important first half when the Bucks really needed it from Chris Middleton there. So we'll see if that carries through. But as far as the rest goes, this is where it does come back to DeAndre Ayton a little bit. So I, I guess you can look at it from the Phoenix point of view and say, okay, this big fella probably needs some rest. Now, he only played 24 minutes in game three, so it's not like he really overly exerted himself. But 
you know, when you've got Giannis coming at you, we can talk about the fact that Giannis will refresh and recharge. That's going to be good for him. But Aiton will certainly need to as well. And this is where the conversation comes back to the DiVincenzo, Dario Saric situation for me. Because, you know, I don't think when either of those players went down, if you're an opposition fan, you'd be looking at it and necessarily saying, well, that's it. We're going to win the series now. Yeah, Yeah, I I don't think you would look at it like that. And that certainly wasn't my first reaction when Saric went down. I mean, first of all, obviously, you hope he's okay. It's clearly a pretty serious injury. But on top of that, you think about the series. Okay, what would this series look like without Saric? And you're not exactly intimidated by Dario Saric, the player, despite the fact he's, he's been very solid, very solid NBA player. But it is the ripple down effect that happens when you lose those players. So if you look at it from a Phoenix point of view and what we saw in that game yesterday, when without Saric there, they just don't have any other option for Giannis at all. So you're either going to have to ask DeAndre Ayton to play 45 minutes and hope that he doesn't get in foul trouble, or you're just, you're just in major, you're in, you have a major problem on your hands. So this Saric injury is serious for the rotation of the Suns, and as is the DiVincenzo injury, and we've seen this now, I mean, he's been out since the first round. So the Bucs have been dealing with this for a while. But we've seen Brent Forbes has not been able to be playable. Jeff Teague, we've discussed a lot. And it's, it's, you, you lose what you lose from DiVincenzo and Saric, but it's also the fact that other guys have to play a little bit more that really hurts you. Yeah, and uh, I think with you know with Dario Saric, as soon as he went down, you uh, I, we that was one where we knew initially that's that's not a good injury. But um, I agree. Where even me at first, when you saw it happen, you're like, man, that's a bummer for Phoenix. But um, kind of regularly following the Suns' playoff run, I don't recall seeing a lot of Saric throughout this this playoffs for Phoenix. And I think he only played in three games in the first round and I believe he's averaging basically 10 minutes a game so you looked at it and you thought yeah I mean he's been okay but they haven't really heavily relied on him and and then you know I think part of that thinking too was we still didn't know physically where Giannis was and you think you think back to when the injury recurred in game one it it was clear Giannis was still a little tentative and wasn't anywhere near 100% with his his full range of movement. But now as we've seen the series go on, you really see, yeah, Sharich might not have played really more than 15 minutes anyway, but it's just another body to put out there because now Phoenix is basically having to concede the non-DeAndre Ayton minutes and hope that DeAndre Ayton doesn't get into foul trouble going forward. Because to me, it's kind of similar to what we saw against the Brooklyn Nets where they just weren't going to be willing to put DeAndre DeAndre Jordan on the floor. It's almost reached that level with the Suns and Frank Kaminsky that we have seen him, but it's been very, very limited. And if you think back to how he was used in game three, I mean, if I'm Monty Williams, if you're not going to shoot the ball and if you're not going to be giving us three pointers and in some of those possessions where he touched it, but just looked like the moment was too big for him and gave up the ball immediately. Like we can't have you on the floor if you're not going to be spacing the floor and shooting. So I wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix just says, you know what? We're not going to win those minutes without eight on the floor. Anyway, we're just going to have to go really small and um, we're just going to have to go with if Torrey Craig can remain healthy, he's going to be a backup four, and we're going to have to just play Jay Crowder at the five. I think that's fair, and it was probably a mistake on our part for not bringing this up 
on the post-game show here because it was certainly something that felt very notable at the time. I think I tweeted about it um, when it happened. But just watching the replay last night, I, I did sort of realize the magnitude of this moment in the game last night. It was with Chris Milton with nine seconds left in the first yeah. half, driving, getting the foul call on DeAndre Ayton and him picking up his third because I was at least a little bit shocked that Monty Williams was so quick on the trigger to get him out of the game in the, in the third quarter. And perhaps not the, the fact that he took him out. Maybe that made sense. He took him out with 10 minutes, 30 seconds left in the third. But I thought he would have brought him in, particularly with the way the game was going. Maybe he sat there and thought, well, this is just a parade to the line for Giannis right now. He, look at the look in his eye. If I put Aiton out there, he's going to pick up his fifth and then we're screwed. Maybe he was just trying to weather the storm. I thought it was uh, surprising at least. I don't think it was Monty Williams' best game coaching in this series or, or this postseason for that matter. Um, so I was a little bit surprised by that. Well, but yeah, that, that, that foul from Chris Milton really did prove huge. I also didn't really understand what Monty Williams was doing with him in the third quarter because you know, if you're going to sit him for most of that quarter and say the foul issues, it's, it's just too much that we can't risk him fouling out. I mean, Aiton played a minute and a half in that third, so I get saving him there. But then when he comes back, he has to be defending Giannis. That to me, if he's going to foul out, he's going to use those final two fouls on Giannis. So I didn't get basically punting the third quarter. And then also when you bring him back in, not putting him on Giannis. And, you know, historically, I say historically like it's been a long run, but this postseason run so far, he hasn't had more than four fouls. So he is disciplined. Um, I wonder, you know, as a 22-year-old now, he's defending Giannis. He hasn't had to have a challenge like this when he's just getting relentlessly attacked like that. I do wonder if uh, it, it will become frustrating or a little bit hard to manage as the series goes on. I mean, Giannis clearly is looming as the talking point here, which is why we can dive straight into the Mikulov Ultra Player of the Week. And a big shock, big shock to everyone. We're going to give it to Giannis. We're going to give it to him. Back-to-back 40-point games in the NBA Finals. Uh, first player to have 40 and 10 in back-to-back games, uh, I believe, since Shaq. I believe that was the stat. Uh, that we uh, 40 and 10 rounds, yeah. 40 and 10, yeah, that was floating yeah, around. So I think LeBron had a 40 and 10 assist in back to back. So it's just him, Shaq, and LeBron that have done it in back to back games, period. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, to be honest, I was thinking about it last night. Uh, shower thoughts, just thinking, oh, wow, what, 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 what have we been witnessing here the last couple of games? And I was trying to think of all the NBA Finals performances that I've seen since I've been watching basketball over the last two decades. And I could only really think, I mean, the early Shaq dominance, I was, I was too young. I, I wasn't really, really yeah. quite in the moment there. But the only guy I could really think about was, was LeBron, really, in those series where he went solo and just went absolutely nuts against uh, the Golden State Warriors. So if it continues, yeah, we are, we are truly watching something historic here. The numbers don't lie. So Giannis is the Mikulov Ultra Player of the Week. Remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. Giannis is the Miklob Ultra Player of the Week. And we spoke about recovery, Justin, and I reckon there'll be a fair bit of recovery going on with these guys. It's been a long postseason run. But if you, as a fan, need some recovery as well, you can do so with Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me. It's a bit harsh, this ad read, by the way. It's making assumptions about me. I could be an elite athlete. But anyway... If you're just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. It's as quiet as an electric toothbrush as well, which is pretty handy. And you guys would have seen this. 
you see him on the bench. The Leonis has it. He's using it all the time. The guys uh, use it during games, during recovery. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it's becoming pretty popular. But the Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. So you can try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now to get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. So we've discussed DeAndre Ayton and... I think it's fair enough that we're talking about him because, look, we've spent a lot of time talking about Chris Paul. We've spent a lot of time talking about Devin Booker over the last few days. But Aiton is really looming as a key factor in, in the Suns' hopes of winning the title and, you know, as a part of that, the Bucks' hopes of winning the title. So I think we can talk about the Bucks' big man now, Brooke Lopez. I think this series, and look, I spoke about it on the post-game show yesterday. I, I didn't really like that the Bucks went small Early yeah. in this game yesterday, I thought Lopez should have been out on the floor. Ultimately, I was fine with the fact that he only played 21 minutes. Again, that came because Aiton was off the floor. He only played 24, so they're just matching those minutes. I'm fine with that. That's not a big deal. But this series is following a trend that we saw in the Atlanta series. So game one, Brook Lopez, certainly a factor offensively, 17 points in 22 minutes, uh, efficient, hit some threes, but defensively, and I don't think it was his fault. I think it was the way they were trying to play defense, but he was exposed a little bit. It was a really rough night for Brook Lopez. There's no doubt about that. Game two, I thought he bounced back really, really well defensively. Again, it came with a schematic change. He wasn't switching out onto the perimeter, largely playing that drop defense. We know as far as big men go in the league, he's as good as anyone that he's positioning and adjusting. He's really smart. He's a high IQ player. So I thought he bounced back well. And then yesterday... Um, obviously he only played the 21 minutes, but in that period he did have 11 points there as well. So I think it's, it's, it's interesting because there is a lot of talk out there that, wow, look at the Bucks! Look what they did in the third quarter. They went small, Giannis at the five. This is the way they play. I, I, I think it's great. I think it's a great option. I'm always talking about versatility with this Bucks team compared to previous versions where they can have different methods of how they want to attack different teams, even though, the depth is not there. They still have a couple of lineups they can go to, which I think is great. But I think that as this series goes on, again, if we come back to Aiton, the fact that the size isn't there for the Suns, I do see an opportunity for the size to eventually just physically overwhelm the Suns over the course of seven games because we know that even the Bucks, uh, I say in air quotes, uh, not big guys, but PJ Tucker, these types of guys, Bobby Portis, they'll hit the glass, they'll offensive rebound, second chance points will become a factor. So I, I still just think that Brook Lopez is going to have a massive factor in this series. Yeah, I'm with you that um, I think he, uh, I was fine with the minutes in game three because you won and because DeAndre Ayton wasn't on the floor a lot. But I, I still think you need Brook Lopez to be playing more than 25 minutes. And it's, it's to your point, kind of what we saw unfold in both the Brooklyn and Atlanta series where it was right around three to four games into the series that the Bucks just started to figure things out more. And especially on the defensive end where you started to utilize him in a much better position and that led to more minutes. And, and also just, you know, recognizing 
we're the biggest team and most physical team mm-hmm. left, even you know before the finals, obviously with just two teams, but for a while now, that has been the Bucks. So we need to take advantage of that. And I think that means, especially with how thin they are overall, you got to rely on your starters. And I would like to see Brooke Lopez playing around 30 minutes a game at least. I mean, I think as we've all seen by now, the numbers for this team, when it's the starting five that are on the floor, they were plus 16 in, I forget how many minutes, it was probably around 10 or 11 that they played together in game three, but they were plus 16 in those minutes. And coming in, it was 22 minutes that I think they were a plus 13. So you've seen when that group plays together, they are a better team than the Phoenix Suns. It's just managing the bulk of those minutes together. And You know, I think we've seen the minor adjustments as well where they haven't done the entirety of one through five switches and we've seen Drew kind of picking up Chris Paul all the way in the backcourt and uh, coming all the way up the the floor with him. So I think those have been big adjustments and just throwing, you know, Drew and Chris and PJ on Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I think those have, have all been necessary adjustments that have allowed you to get back to a little bit of the drop, not quite as drastic. And with that, you just have to have Brooke on the floor a lot more. So I don't know if it's just naivete and if I'm hopeful, but I do think we're going to see his minutes starts to stretch out to around 30 or more going forward. Isn't it funny just thinking about the role that Brooke Lopez has played in this series and then you think about the evolution of the game and the fact that throughout this entire postseason, when you look at the Miami series uh, and then you go through to Brooklyn, then obviously Atlanta and now Phoenix here, I think there was a comment from Giannis in yesterday's post game that he feels really confident that the Bucs will continue to figure it out. They've kind of eased their way into series right throughout. I guess you could argue Miami was a little bit different, but it was the first round. But, but I would agree with his overall summary that the Bucs have appeared to continue to adjust and continue to figure things out over the course of the series. But perhaps more than anything, they haven't got any smaller as the series has gone on. And the big bodies and the toll that that takes has continuously wore down teams as these series have gone on. And it's just fascinating to have just such a monstrous guy like Brooke Lopez and then playing alongside Giannis and the way he attacks that given the way that we've watched the NBA in recent years and, and the way teams have, have shut the three and certainly Gold State, I know, is the one that everyone goes back to. But to see this Bucks team just obliterating teams in the paint and just physically overwhelming them is just kind of unique. It's kind of interesting to watch it play out. It's funny with both of these uh, teams that, you know, you have Brooke Lopez who made the evolution to the big man that sits out beside the three-point line and stretches the floor. You have Deion, and, and now in this playoff run, certainly we've seen him drift back to the old Brooke Lopez that we had seen. And with DeAndre Ayton, you think about how he entered the league that, he was a guy that came in as, well, this is a center that's going to be able to, to do the same thing and stretch the floor and look at how much he shot threes at Arizona. And then the work that Monty Williams and that staff had done with him throughout the season, he's become more of a traditional center. And we've started to see that more and more. I mean, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, that we're slowly drifting to the point where there's more of the back-to-the-basket centers and we're starting to figure out how to utilize them along with spacing. And I think... You know, it's it's just you can't say enough about what Brooke Lopez has done throughout the season that he's added that versatility where he's been the guy that I'm sure the first year that he did it with Kenny Atkinson, it was a major adjustment. And I would venture to guess it caught him off guard and thought, this isn't uh, what I signed up for, but to become that floor spacing big man and to keep that 
skill level that he had there uh, and just be able to do both of them now. It's to me, it's been one of the more fascinating things to watch how he has been able to bounce between both asks because you think about what he did to close out the Hawks series and especially down the stretch against the Nets. Whereas in this series, you know, we've seen a lot more of Brooke Lopez on the perimeter. So to me, that just adds to the value. He's still a tremendous rim protector and he is more athletic. I, I would venture to say much more athletic than he continues to get credit for that. You know, I know you guys covered it, but he took a beating from fans, obviously early in this season where it's, it's funny now to think of the notion of people that were calling for Mamadi Diakite to play over Brooke Lopez. But even in this series, you look at game one, where it was, well, you, you just can't play Brooke Lopez. Well, Brooke Lopez is still staying in front of Chris Paul and Devin Booker on these. They're hitting tough shots, and that's exactly what you want from him. So uh, he is you know, certainly underappreciated throughout this year, and I think it's picked up, up in the playoffs. But in terms of the big man in the league, Brooke Lopez continues to not really get the amount of credit that he deserves with where he ranks among all centers in the league now. I think it's been a little bit fascinating to see the way that he's scored as well. I go back to the 33 points in game five against Atlanta and even last night and the way he scored early in this series. Sometimes there's those deep seals, but it's, it's not traditional post-ups. I mean, this guy is remarkably athletic for his size. Yes, he always looks like he's in slow-mo, but even a couple of his nifty little finishes where uh, I've spoken about it before. I think it's sometimes, sometimes we've seen him just not take advantage of how big he is. I mean, it sounds so yeah. simple, but I think we've seen as the season's gone on and as he's got more opportunities to roll to the basket, um, to move without the ball, get those deep catches, he has really become a physical presence. So, yeah, I, look, we'll see what happens with the lineups again. I think it will be dictated too by what the Suns do with DeAndre Ayton because I, I think it's fine to sit here and say that, look, if they're going to go small, just get the ball to Giannis, play him at the five and let him dominate and walk to the free throw line or dunk on everyone. Like That's a, that's a totally fine uh, method to go with there. I want to talk about the officiating and also a couple of the role players as we wrap up this show in the last sort of five, 10 minutes here. But uh, this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and then wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, but they can only choose the brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com and you have it on your phone in your pocket as well. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Just check out the online catalog at rockauto.com. It's very easy to navigate and you'll get uh, whatever you need, whatever you need for your car at a pretty nice price as well. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box today. Now we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So Justin, uh, for the third series in a row, we have an opposition coach that is uh, very upset with the officiating. Very upset, Monty Williams. And by the way, I always take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. I mean, first of all, I think the insinuation that there was a problem with the officiating last night is just absurd anyway. And I think most people acknowledge that. Unless maybe you're a Phoenix fan, you'll say, eh, no, I didn't like it. But I think most neutral people could watch that game and say, well, when Giannis is standing there in a restricted area and you've got Cam Johnson getting him in an armbar and then you've got Jay Crowder like whacking him in the head, I mean, I think the fouls were fine. And honestly, 
There was a couple of suspect foul calls that I thought Phoenix got. Devin Booker threw his head back. He, there was contact down near his hip, and his head nearly snapped off his shoulders. And then later on in the game, there was another. It might have been Cam Johnson where he just fell over and uh, felt. And, and, you know, we've seen how they call jump shot fouls. And, and I think it's just the nature of a team that is one, one team is shooting jump shots and the Bucks are dominating the paint down low. So, I, look, unless they just let them assault Giannis even more than he normally gets assaulted, I don't think we're going to see a massive change there. But, again, I, I can't fault Monty, Monty Williams for coming out and complaining. This is an NBA final series. You try and get whatever edge you can get. But, again, it, it's – I mean, these fouls on Giannis are impossible to ignore. I mean, I, I don't know how you don't call him. I mean, the, the man's getting mugged. Well, um, look, I, I get what Monty Williams was doing, and, and it's what you kind of brought up there is we saw Steve Nash do the same thing with the it's borderline non-basketball physicality with P.J. Tucker. We saw it in the Hawks series as well, or heard it, I should say. So I get this is all Monty Williams trying to – uh, stem that tide and get some officiating and get some calls mo- back to, you know, on his guys like Devin Booker and Chris Paul, kind of the disparity that we saw in game one of this series. But I mean, the numbers back all of it up that, you know, in this series too, the Phoenix Suns are the team that's generating more free throw attempts per field goal attempt, not the Bucks. It's the Suns that have done it. And if you just look at how they've approached the game, uh, in these last two games, the Bucks t- took 48 and 45 shots at the rim and got to the free throw line 50 times combined. The Suns were at 29 and 35, and that's basically where they've been all series. I mean, the numbers for both teams were almost identical to what we saw in game two, where the Suns took 29 shots in the paint and got to the line 14 times. Bucks took 48 and got there 23 times in game two. In game five, it was 45 and 27 for the Bucks and 35 and 16 for the Suns. So almost identical and we didn't hear any of these calls after game two of, man, our team isn't getting to the line as much. There's so much you can point to with just how the Bucks attack the paint like that. The Suns are a mid-range jump shooting team. But I mean, when one of your strategies is to follow Giannis or whoever else it is starting a fast break just so the Bucks can't get in transition, you're going to get into the bonus and into the penalty a lot quicker than the opposition, you would think. So, I mean, part of it is recognizing yeah, we're conceding a lot of fouls away from the basket. And that means the Bucs are going to get into the penalty quicker and get to the free throw line more. So to me, it was laughable, but it's clearly just Monty Williams trying to get some of those calls on those mid-range shots for Devin Booker, which we did see a few in game three, but it was nowhere near what we saw in game one, where that's the one you could point to more than anything. And it favored the Bucs or advantage for the Suns. The Bucs could be the team that pointed to it and say, whoa, these calls are way out of whack here that we're taking these amount of shots in the paint and near the rim and we're getting to the line 16 times and Phoenix is living in the mid range and they got there 26 times. I agree. And uh, keep an eye on that little leg kick from Devin Booker as well. He did get called for it in game one, I believe, but uh, mm-hmm. pretty, reg- pretty regular move from him. But let's talk about some of the role players because I, I got a tweet and I, I wish I had it up here, but I've got so many tweet notifications right now from uh, everyone excited about Australia taking down Team USA on their way to a gold medal. Patty Mills again. Patty Mills just cooking Kevin Durant time and time and time again. I couldn't help watching that game. I'm distracted now. I'm going to come back to the role players. But I, I, I couldn't help but watch that game thinking, Patty Mills is just destroying this entire Team USA roster. Maybe they need an elite perimeter defender, Team USA. Drew Holiday. 
he's he's there to save the Americans in the medal campaign in the Tokyo. Oh, Chris too. And Chris Melton, exactly right. So a couple of handy players. And Devin Booker will give him some credit. Yeah. But Drew Holiday certainly would have been handy for Team USA in that game against Australia. Uh, and look, I've been talking some shit on Twitter, Justin, and, and so I should because you don't know if you're going to get a chance to beat USA again in basketball. So when it happens, exhibition, big tournament, doesn't matter. I'm going to talk my shit. But Pat Connaughton is the guy because I got a tweet um, saying we should bring up Pat Connaughton. And, and I think we've tried to give him credit where we could. I've spoke about it all the time, super polarizing player, just a guy that gets dismissed. I mean, he just gets dismissed as a role player that oh, you don't want Pat Connaughton on the floor. You're in trouble if he's playing. He's averaging 30 minutes per game in these finals, but he's getting you 10 points. He's shooting 47% from three, and he's doing his usual work on the offensive glass, getting you a board and a half on the offensive glass per game, which uh, the way that he gets those offensive rebounds and he sort of cuts through the lane, he picks a lot of them up on long rebounds. He's got pretty good anticipation there, and a lot of the times they result in fantastic looks for the Bucs. So just really, really important minutes from Pat Connaughton here in the NBA Finals. And let's be honest, He's shooting 38% from three this postseason for a Milwaukee player. That is invaluable, invaluable shooting from Pat Connaughton. No one else has been able to hit them at all. So we're going to give this man a lot of credit because, again, another one of those guys that if he makes one little mistake, everyone's off him. Get him off the floor. You can't play Pat Connaughton. But uh, he's been pretty good, pretty good. And that that might be underselling it, actually. Yeah, he's been really good. Um you know, 10 points a game that he's averaging. The rebounds are a little bit lower than I expected if you just look at the per-game numbers. But it feels like it's where they have occurred and what he's done on those rebounds generating second-chance looks. And I think what we saw a couple of times in Game 3, too, is, you know, we know about the chemistry that Giannis and Chris have. um, But there's a chemistry there with Giannis and Pat, too. And there's a couple of times where um, the Suns would flash a double at Giannis and – you know, I, I think something that has obviously been touched on quite a bit is it's to me the biggest story of this playoff run is basically what Giannis has been able to do since game two of the Brooklyn Nets series to this point forward. That the growth that he has made in terms of being a playmaker and just how he has attacked the opposing defenses, I mean, that's stuff that you expect to see carry out over the course of a year or two years. And it's like the light bulb has just all of a sudden flipped for him. And now he fully gets, here's how I need to attack. And we're seeing a couple of threes and a couple of times when they leave him open and he'll take those. But I mean, he's just locked in, in, in recognizing where his spot is and how to get there. And when he is pressured and gets in trouble, it, it's like when Pat Connaughton's on the floor, he knows exactly where he needs to be to help out Giannis that we saw a couple of instances in game three where Pat knows here comes the double and here's how I get to the basket and flash to the hoop and Pat's there in the dunker spot that there's just a natural connection between those two guys from their years playing together now that I think that's another thing that just adds to the value of Pat Connaughton. Yeah. And he's always been the best cutter on the team. Uh, And that has been the case right from his first season in Milwaukee. And Dante also is fantastic at that. Both of those guys, um, get those types of easy layups when Giannis draws the attention. Pat also had that really nice play, kind of the the hesitation move he had, driving to the basket, sort of froze a couple of Phoenix defenders, then was able to find Giannis for a two-hand dunk there at a pretty important stage as well. So, yeah, just having a, a nice finals. And look, we know Pat, is it's a little bit of a roller coaster ride. He'll have moments where he might have 
you know, shoot some poor shots or, or he'll make a bad pass or defensively, you know, he'll try and block a, a shot and end up in the third row. I mean, that, 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 that's what happens. But he does bring a lot of We saw one of those hustle plays, yeah, in game three. And was it you, too, that uh, pointed out the Mike Breen call where it was – who would have thought we would get a finals game with Mike Breen in Milwaukee using the bang call on a Pat Connaughton three? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember last year during the postseason, Chris Milton hit that – three uh, in, against Miami and you got the Mike Breen bang, but uh, a few yeah. are far between for Milwaukee. There's no doubt about that. So I, I did see someone tweet about that, that just watching the replay, it's cool to, to hear that. Um, but no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's lots of little things that are happening in this finals where I think if you've been watching the Milwaukee Bucks for a long time, you sit back and say, okay, that was pretty cool. I didn't really expect that that was um, ever going to happen in my time watching the Bucks. So yeah, again, shout out to Pat. And I will remind you though, uh, Justin, the, the email from the Lockdown host has been going off, and that's because the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Lockdown and Odyssey is, uh, is underway. The preparations are underway. So there's going to be analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. The Lockdown NBA local experts uh, are making their selections and trades. There's been a few sketchy ones, I'm not going to lie. But you can check it out on the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. So keep an eye out for the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. But still another day here, Justin. So I, I think after a win, it's nice. The city gets to celebrate. They get to have some fun. Perhaps they'll watch a replay and get themselves prepared for Game 4, which I have to imagine is going to be a crazy atmosphere in Milwaukee. But as far as the Bucks go... As we've said, Giannis, ice the knee, do the rehab, do whatever you got to do, get yourself ready for game four. Yeah, I mean, if, if the Bucks weren't in this series, I would uh, be in the opposite camp of, or let's just get this thing over yeah, with already, right, why right, isn't right. it every other day? But yeah, now that uh, your team is playing in the finals, you want this stretched out as much as possible. So I am more than fine with the days off, and uh, especially if it means it's, it's going to help out Giannis, which it's hard to believe that he is really not 100%, and he's putting up the numbers that he has in this series with the 34, 14, and 5, basically, and shooting almost 63% from the field. I mean, to me, since I've been watching the game, you, you think about the performance of Michael Jordan in the 93 finals, and Kobe, I think, in the 2010 finals was when he had those multiple 40-point games. But just in recent memory, the only performances I can think of like this are, are really – three times that LeBron did it in the uh, 2012 finals against the Thunder, where he was clearly the best guy on the court. And then in, in the two straight runs, two straight years where it was the Warriors and the Cavs in, in 16 and 17, where he won the title playing incredible. And then 17 when it was basically just LeBron and he averaged a triple double in that series. That is what you get the feeling when you're watching Giannis. That's what it feels like. That's, that's what he's doing. And, you know, if he doesn't one more time in game four and turns this into a best of three series, then it, it really is starting to feel like he has made the leap into the Pantheon. And now all of a sudden, this has a chance to be discussed of those finals runs of, yeah, remember that year that Giannis took over and basically became the best player in the game? Averaging 36 points and 12 rebounds across five games against Phoenix this season. Three of the five games, he topped 40 points and... Uh, we should acknowledge that at one of those games, game one of the NBA Finals, he was clearly just testing the waters a little bit with a casual 20.17 rebound night. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, Phoenix haven't had an answer. I'm sure they're working around the clock on what they're going to do. Maybe they'll just put five guys in the paint and say, okay, you guys are going to shoot jump shots. We'll see. 
um, how that goes. I don't know. I'm expecting something. I don't know what it's going to be. We haven't seen a way that the Suns have been able to slow him down yet, but we're going to find out. Uh, we'll have another podcast tomorrow uh, in the lead up to game four. So the shows keep on rolling here. So um, continue to check out the podcast feed there and you'll be updated. But Justin, um, bit of a late one by our standards here after 11 p.m. Central. I guess you, you, you did say this is early compared to uh, the game nights that you've been working through as well. But uh, we'll wrap it up. As I said, back tomorrow. Everyone, enjoy the replays. Enjoy the podcast. If you missed the post-game pod with Frank, go back and check that out as well. We're having an absolute blast covering the NBA Finals here at Locked on Bucks. So for Justin and myself, enjoy the show. Speak to you guys tomorrow.